Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I just want to tell you a little bit about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everybody the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast but don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all of the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get this all for only $15 a month. That is the exact same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So you're getting a pretty good value here. Whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description uh, in this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com forward slash join. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I'm Pat Nevin. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode, that's right, of the London is Blue podcast. No Brandon today, a little under the weather, so uh, positive thoughts heading his way. Nick, you're here though, you're happy, you're winning, I think you won your round of golf that you've had, your season-long tournament with your buddy, so like at least somebody was winning today. I did, I did, uh, I had a couple birdies yesterday even, so I'll tell you, for a guy who's terrible at golf, that feels super good. Um, the, the birdies, the birdies were unexpected. I even hit like a 20 foot putt. So, uh, call me, call me Tiger Woods. Um, yes, that's exactly what we're going to do. But you know, we don't have Brandon here, Nick, we have to throw out the bat signal and who did we get to join us this time? Well, I mean, reigning NFC North champion, uh, CJ Zoma, just back in the cut after a resounding victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers, his arch nemesis, the team that he thought would go on to win the Super Bowl, his Bengals have derailed the Steelers' entire season. CJ, how are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty, pretty 50-50. I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I'm feeling pretty good that we beat the Steelers, for sure. Mm-hmm. And we're on a two-game winning streak, which is, you know, that's, we're winning in something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's about the end of my excitement with, with how I'm doing. We don't need to talk about the rest of your sports right. assistance right yeah no then no. i'm doing great i'm doing phenomenal <laughs> well uh if you forget cj came on previously uh you know tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals, uh war eagle as well auburn in college so uh he's coming in this time to break down the match with us i think there's some really cool perspectives we're going to get into just from like a player in a professional sport perspective that we can bring to the table too but before we get into that Nick, we do have our three-word match reviews. Uh, I picked out a couple here. Uh, do you want to call out any in particular? I know you looked at a few of them maybe beforehand. Uh, I, I'll, I'll give you a second because the one that maybe I enjoyed the most was Nathan's with video-assisted robbery. <laughs> it's a new definition for VAR. <laughs> I do I do like that VAR. Um, you know, we'll go through a couple of these. Just see if there's anything that you like. And, and CJ, feel free to chime in here. We'll, we'll let you be a judge. Hold up the number 10 if you if you like one of these. Okay. All right. Video-assisted robbery, Dan called out. That's good. Missing a spark. Accurate. Uh, congested fixture burnout. Boy, that seems pretty accurate. B-Squad Blues. Tough but fair. 
Jack Realist Cheats. I have one for that later. Oh, one right. one man show. This is a that's a favorite of mine. I like that one. It's not great, comma Dan. Also calling that one out. We've had that one before. Um, let's see. Campaign against Chelsea, bringing the classic Mourinho slogan back. CJ, how do you rate? Wow. How are you feeling about these? Is there one in particular that you're a fan of? Um, what was the Grealish Sheets one? Jack Grealish Sheets. Jack, yeah. yeah, I like that one just because the entire match, I was, I was just like fuming. Like every time, every time he fell, I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" Uh, so I, I kind of like that one a fair amount, actually. I have well, one for that. I have one. Oh for yeah, that. yeah, you've got one for that. I know you do. I do. So Nick, mm-hmm. why don't you give us your actual three-word match review? And I'll then give you, you can give us your Jack one. Yeah, I'll give you the I'll give you the real one. CJ, think of your three word match review. You're going to contribute to the cause here. Think of your your kind of three words. I have a couple to to go. The first is given the fact that we could have climbed into the top four today, another missed opportunity. This is one in a series of missed opportunities that we've had over the last few weeks. Another one, and then. Because I also, like CJ, was furious at the Aston Villa flopping effort that was going on today all over the field. Uh, not just Grealish, but I thought, thinking about Waffle House or maybe an IHOP, maybe a little Flapjack special, maybe a little Flopjack special. Flopjack special. <laughs> that's the one. Boom. Wow. Yeah, that, that's a good one, actually. Thank that's you. Really good. That's really Thank good. you. Appreciate that. Uh, it's nice of you to say that after I raked him before you joined this call and our kind of pre pre chat. But uh, CJ, do you have a three word match review? What's the three words you'd use to sum this up? Um, yeah, maybe just we need more. Um, mm. Just mm. out of out of everyone. Um, that's including Frank and the. I mean, that's every that's everyone. We just we need more. That's the uh, first three I, words that came to mind. I like that. Uh, I went with, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, so this will probably just be context for everyone who doesn't live in the U.S., but Lexus runs these commercials around the holidays called December to Remember, where, again, (laughs) why someone would buy a car for their significant other without any pre-notion or like and get that for a Christmas present with a big red bow and it doesn't make any sense. Uh, This was the exact opposite of this. This was a December to forget for Chelsea. Wow. uh, You know, maybe that's the full December match review through a match review, but I think, you know, this was the last match of December, so I just summed it up on that. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Well, we will talk about a lot of those things. We've got to talk. We will pick out a few positives before we jump into maybe breaking down some of the specifics here. Yes, contrary to popular belief, if you jumped off the internet for a few minutes today, there were some positives to take away from this. We're going to pick out particularly Chilwell's performance, Callum's performance, and Giroud's performances. But then, yes, we will get into the nitty-gritty of what didn't work for Lampard and company in this match and what are some of the questions that you all had that we're going to put an answer to and also get some perspective from uh, from players' view you know, in, in, in professional sports that CJ is going to offer. But before that, Nick, we've got a couple of, of gratitudes and thank yous we've got to get into. So you want to hit up a Patreon ones with Brandon Absent? That is right. We're switching up the roles today. I'm going to have a much bigger part in the entry of this episode. Uh, Ni Amart, Ernie Poman. Akil, Daniel, and John, you're all into the Patreon ecosystem now. Thank you for joining. Hopefully, the Discord has been um, just something special for you over the last couple of days. It's been lit up like a Christmas tree. I'll say that. Uh, And then, Dan, not only these fine folks who have chose to be a part of LIBP+, but we have some (laughs) 
Apple podcast thank yous that you should probably get into. Yeah, plenty of five-star reviews. And again, five-star reviews and Apple Podcasts is a great way for people to find the show and get connected with what we've been doing. And so we thank everybody who leaves a five-star review. If you haven't done one yet, do it now and talk about how you don't enjoy Nick being a little bit of a, uh, you know, you know what sometimes? Uh, a curmudgeon, potentially. Look, they, they say it. These are what the reviews say, Nick. I'm just... I'm taking the text from the review, and I'm bringing it into the pod. <laughs> My fans are just tremendous. They love me. Um, I'm sorry, Dan, that you don't get more extraordinarily positive reviews like I've had recently. Wow. Uh, so. That's what you want to call them. But anyway, we want to thank uh, Ohms uh, SHB37, Dino Pong, okay, uh, Captain Chromie262, uh, and NJS Scritch. All leaving some five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. And just a couple bits of housekeeping. Uh, we will have a December in review podcast dropping on Wednesday. We got our Matt Law 2020 Chelsea retrospective dropping on Thursday. And then, you know, just if you're not aware yet or haven't seen it yet, there is some potential fixture adjustments coming with Man City, several Man City players and staff uh, testing positive for COVID-19. Their training ground being shut down indefinitely at the moment. That might change our Sunday match. We also have the uh, our FA Cup match, too, is potentially going to be rescheduled as well. Uh, so a lot is up in the air and in flux. But, Nick, we'll still find a way to fill the podcast void. It just might be a little different than what we were planning to over the next uh, one to two weeks here. It's possible, and just saying it's possible, that if these matches get moved or postponed or whatever, that we will not play again until January 18th. 15th, 18 days, the 15th of January. Right. Yeah. 15. Yeah. January 15th. That's a long time. So I'm sure there will be no shortage of things to talk about given the state of affairs right now. Uh, So we'll probably bring in some, some more experts and we'll talk about perhaps the transfer window and or other related items or notes. So we will produce content. It just will not be the standard match review type of stuff. Well, let's jump into it. Match review at a glance. It was Aston Villa. It was the Premier League. It was Monday, December 28th. At Sanford Bridge, the scoreline, Chelsea won, and unfortunately, Aston Villa won as well. We will let the fist stand app run through the goals for us and be right back. Chelsea welcome Aston Villa to Stamford Bridge in the Blues' final game of 2020. Frank Lampard rings the changes with his Chelsea team. Six alterations from the side that started at Arsenal. Grealish. He's going to have a go. Mendy. Not only made the save, but he pushed it out of harm's way too. Not coming infield to find Giroud. Nice flick off from him to Pulisic. Now here's Chilwell and Giroud's header. What a brilliantly worked goal from Chelsea. Olivier Giroud against Aston Villa again. 10 in 10 for him against the Villains now. And the Blues with the breakthrough just after the half hour. Three playing on after a collision with Christensen. El Ghazi's ball into the middle, cleared away easily enough by Rudiger. Too short, how badly hurt Christensen is, but we certainly need him. Oh, really do need him because there's the equaliser from El Ghazi. Well, I just think that the collision between the two of them is obviously a bad one for Christensen, but there's the foot in. Oh, and headed off the line by Konza and then turned in by Aspiliqueta. But the flag is quickly raised. Again, change of corner, short corner. 
Callum with the delivery. As Pulisic goes in an offside position, it's that touch. Yeah, correct decision. It's not this one. It's the one before. Again. Oh my goodness me, he's nearly snapped the bar in two. Anton Adoy, Chilwell lining up the volley. Oh, what a goal that would have been. You could see what he was thinking the moment the ball headed his way. And that is that. The points are shared at Stamford Bridge. Not much between these two in the Premier League table and not much between them on the night either. All right, well, Nick, Brandon's not here, so you have to read the lineup. So uh, right. just don't mess it up. You know, I think I'm going to be okay here, Dan. Thanks. Um, Mendy between the sticks. Rudiger and Christensen. Dynamic duo at center back. Boy, that's something. Uh, Chilwell and Asby as your fullbacks. Asby coming in for Reese James, obviously. Chilwell playing his second game in two days on a bum ankle somehow. That's really interesting. Jorginho, Ingolo Conte, Mason Mount as your midfield trio. And then starting up front, you know him, you love him. Christian Pulisic, Olivier Giroud, Callum Hudson-Odoi coming in after his uh, good cameo. Uh, against the Gunners. Uh, unused substitutes. Kepa, Arista Balaga, Thiago Silva, Fakaya Tamori, Emerson, Mateo Kovacic, Billy Gilmore, and Tammy Abraham. The only used substitutes on two days uh, rest, Kai Havertz and Timo Werner. Didn't even use that third substitute today. Didn't need it, Dan. Uh, well, I don't know if didn't need it is the uh, the right statement it. there. But <laughs> anyway, match stats... <laughs> Top line match stats uh, before we get into all the other goodness. Uh, so Chelsea had 63.4% possession to the 36.6% for Aston Villa. Five shots on target to their two. 16 shots to their 10. Uh, touches, more touches, more passes, less tackles, less clearances, more corners. 11 to their four. Uh, but it doesn't matter when you don't have some of our best aerial attackers on the side. Uh, one offside to their one, three cards to their one, and 16 fouls to their three. Now, there's a stat for this, Dan. I'm going to call this out. Someone recalled that Aston Villa in every Premier League match this season basically averages 12.5 fouls a game. Uh, three seems to be undercutting it a little bit, I'll be honest. And that's because Stuart Atwell had a terrible, and I mean terrible, game as a Premier League referee today. Just awful. Thanks for coming. All right. Well, the last stat we'll get through just expected goals. Uh, it was 1.2 for Chelsea to 0.9 for Villa. So all in all, the score line would line up with what we ended up getting, which was a draw. But we'll get to positives. We got to get some positive first. And I think there were a few. So we're going to talk about those, and then we will get into some of the more controversial or hotter topics. Uh, you know, we, we will get there. But we had Callum Hudson-Doy, we had Olivier Giroud, we had Ben Chilwell. Some, some positives to take away from a draw against this t a team that right now is climbing up the table with games in hand, and Aston Villa is having one of their best seasons in recent memory and is about to eclipse their total point total for all of last season. So a huge credit to Dean Smith, John Terry, and the team there for getting this result. But is there, out of those three players, CJ, is there one you want to call out or kind of maybe talk about just how their game was, how you felt about it, what they contributed? Yeah, I think um, you got to talk about Callum. Uh, I, I Once he came in, um, even for the Arsenal match, I was relieved. I was like, man, this, there's someone who's bringing energy and, and 
every time I see him on the pitch, I mean, even before, I mean, I, I, I think he just brings an energy that's kind of like a kind of like a Christian to me. You know, every time they have the ball, I'm like, okay, nice. Like there's some energy going on. Um, there's something we can build on <laughs> as opposed to kind of just kind of a lackadaisical, um, just like kind of mindless walking around that sometimes I saw on the pitch. So um, I, I, I was happy with him for sure. He was, he was somebody in the past two, two matches that I'm like, okay, nice. Like, this is something, this is what I was expecting to, to continue to happen when I came on last time. Nick, do you feel the same way? I mean, some of the stats were really strong for Callum and, you know, he also had those cross field balls that kind of really disrupted play, kind of moved things over from the right to the left. Anything in particular you saw that you enjoyed? Yeah, I, I thought is, you know, I'll, I'll let you, Still do the stats, Dan. Even with Brandon here, I th- or without Brandon here, I should say you, you're still the stat guy. So I'll let you go through that. But make sure uh, I have a job. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> job security in, in 2020. That's a big deal. Um, I, I will say I was super impressed with the way that Cal moved the ball today. Um, I know that there, especially on the right hand side, there wasn't a ton of room for him to roam necessarily. But I think he did a good job of switching it so that the ball got played quickly. And he got played to an open kind of left-hand side for a majority of the first half. And then he actually did have more room in the second half to kind of roam around and do his thing. Uh, so it did switch up a little bit. But his crossfield balls today were excellent. I thought his passing in the final third was excellent. Um, he had one that flashed across the box that I wish someone would have just thrown their body into. Um, so I, I, hopefully he'll get more chances to, to show his stuff there. But... Overall, I thought it was a really positive uh, appearance for him. I mean, and you know, we talked about this, you know, a couple of episodes ago. Like when he gets these chances, does he make the most out of them? Right? You know, it's a it's a deep squad for the most part. He has Ziyech in front of him. If Ziyech is not available, can he, you know, make a case that this is a position that he should be starting and 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 not Ziyech and. I think he's done a very good job in his last, uh, let's say, 135 minutes of football. Well, just looking at the stats for this particular match, we had 90 minutes played, one shot on target, 55 touches, 78% pass accuracy, two key passes, 10 out of 13 long balls completed, four out of nine ground duels won, a little bit of the opportunity area there, and then two tackles in total. I do think he had some fantastic recoveries as well, especially when the there were you know one of the places Astonville looked really strong was on the break, and there were times where Callum hustled back to make sure. And so when you're thinking about all around game improvement, he was looking to to offer that today. Uh, you know, I think another one who just deserves credit for being inevitable is Olivier Giroux just continuing time and time again, not only scoring against Villa, which he loves to do with uh, quite quite a propensity for doing it, but also in just how he can can bring things together. Um, Nick, what were your thoughts about his performance today? I know you love the meaty French forehead. That is true. I do. Um, think about this. If you would have said going into the season that you'd have two strikers at Chelsea who are scoring consistently and – the one who wasn't is the guy that you paid a shit ton of money for. How would you feel? Uh, It's kind of crazy. I mean, to think about, you know, for, for Frank, who's rotating Tammy and Giroux as the center forward over the last, you know, month and a half, roughly. And they're both scoring when they get the opportunity. I mean, it's, it's great. It's exactly what you'd hope for. You know, it, it really is. So, 
the fact that he was able to get in there and mix it up and look, I don't think it was his best appearance this season. You know, he, I think he struggled at times to deal with the physicality that the Villa threw at him, but to take the opportunity that he was given and bury it, I mean, it's a big deal. And CJ, I don't know how you feel about Giroud today, but you know, there is some leadership quality to leading by example. Right. And, and I think he did that today. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I, I like, I like Giroud a lot. I, I, you know, I think kind of just his demeanor and, and the way he carries himself, like you said, it's, it's, you know, lead, lead by example. And that's kind of what he, like when I see him, when I see, and like how I envision this season going was more so Tammy looking, I know they, they're, they're too, they play a little bit differently and things like that. But in terms of just the physical presence that he has, I was looking to Tammy, who's younger, and being like, okay, nice. Like, he'll figure out his body. He'll understand how just how physical he can be and how physical of a presence he can be. And, and um, so, yeah, I, I, like, I like him in that regard a lot. I, I think, um, you know, like you said, when he's given the opportunity to play and, and, and start and get in the game, he scores. And that's what you want out of your striker is for them to score. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm... I think he's another bright spot um, for the squad. I think as a whole, not not even just in the December to forget. <laughs> well, I guess here's here's the question, right? So he will be free in January to talk to other clubs about a pre-contract heading into the next season. Just today, like with a yes or no, would you want Chelsea to say put another year on the table and see if you would accept? Are you asking me? Either of you? I would say 100. percent Mm-hmm. But I also would change the the playing style and the formation that we're using <laughs> to maybe like utilize him and, and Werner in a different way, um, which is why I would say 100%. Mm-hmm. I think the way that we're kind of using them is I'd still say yes, just because he's a I mean, he's just a beast in front of the net. Um, but I, I don't know. I, there's some things I would kind of change up, I, I think, formationally and like the 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 passing of play between between some guys. He he's not he does not play like his age. Like he, it, you know, when when you think about some of the signings that Chelsea have made and typically we go for a younger person or or you know, we go for a person that we can put on a long-term contract or whatever and you think about the way that Chelsea does their business. Drew coming in at age 31 or whatever it was when he signed with us is not the prototypical signing for Chelsea. However, in big moments, he has proven himself time and time again. Dan will go through the stats here in a second about what he's done this season. But, I mean, the reason that you love Olivier Giroud as a fan of Chelsea Football Club is because it's not just consolation goals that he's scoring. He's scoring really important goals. That stooped header that he put in at the near post today, eerily reminiscent of the one he scored in the Baku final against Arsenal eerily reminiscent of the ones he scored against Villa in previous seasons. Like he, he does this at a better clip than any other player in the league. And if you have that guy on your, on your bench, if you have him on your roster and you know that what he really cares about is the Euro this summer. So you're going to give him time so that he gets into the Euro team. Then why wouldn't you try and resign him for another season? Like what? What possible harm to Chelsea Football Club of all the teams in, in Europe could that do to us? Like it, to have another great option on your bench to push Tammy Abraham into a better position into his career, 
I think it's all it's all gravy, and I think most fans, if I'm guessing, we're listening to the show are looking at the value that you would get from Giroux, Dan, for another year. You know, in comparison as to what you have to pay for him, and go, yeah, that seems like a pretty good deal for us. Well, you just look at the importance of having him right now. We talked about at the beginning of the season, you know, you'd expect you know, Timo was going to be the one to slot centrally, and you would have. Plus, it going on wing, and you have Ziyech on the other, and you know, so Tammy wasn't a starter. That meant Drew is your third option, and now you know it's just depending on maybe what the situation is. You know, Tammy is probably still the number one, just in the amount of matches that we've won with him versus without him in the lineup and the Premier League in particularly. But there have been breaking case of emergencies and also result needed type of performances from Giroud that he's been able to deliver and the the intangible leadership element uh you know, I I do love the goal celebration too where his standard is to just shove somebody away before hugging him I didn't realize that was the thing but I watched it's back so a funny yeah it's just, <laughs> <laughs> oh maybe that could be a, a new uh end zone dance for you next season CJ as you do the Giroud, <laughs> just, just shove the first person away the, and then just push him as hard as I can there <laughs> you go come back in my my favorite is the way that Showa looked at him like what <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you why'd you push me so hard well that that's good because Showell is the last one we want to throw a little bit of praise on before we we jump into some of the more nitty-gritty but Dan, you, have to, think, you have to do the Jeru stats. You forgot the stats. Come okay, on. Okay, well, so the Jeru stats real quick. We, we, there was a perfect segue. I had to bite yeah. on the perfect segue. Yeah, uh, anyway, uh, 32 from Opta Joe. Since his Premier League debut in August 2012, Levy Jeru has scored more headed goals than any other player in the competition. Uh, artist, and then there was one. Uh, nine, Olivier Giroud has scored in each of his last seven Premier League appearances versus Aston Villa, netting nine goals in this total run. Against no side has the Frenchman scored more Premier League goals than he has against the Villains. Nine, routine. So yes, great stuff. But anyway, Ben Chilwell was the last one we're going to throw a little bit of praise on. Came a couple of inches away from netting the goal of the season at the death there. Uh, I, someone tweeted at me afterwards, Alonzo scores that. I'm like, ah, uh, I don't know if Alonzo had the pace to make it onto that ball, but okay. Uh, but Ben Chilwell, four, continuing the stats train, has equalized his Premier League season best tally of four assists with the Chelsea defender having as many goal involvements this campaign as 2019-2020. Six, two goals, four assists, maraudering. I think he, even with the injury, even with the short turnaround time, uh, is developing into a real fan favorite here. And it's not hard to see why. He's contributing forward. Uh, really, actually, I think one of the biggest beneficiaries of Callum being in the game was Chilla because he was able to connect with someone who was going to bring the ball across. And he gave us a little bit of what we were lacking without having Ziyech in the side, who could offer that previously to him and was interchanging with him well, CJ. It just seems like Ben was finding goodness in this match that we didn't see any of in the Arsenal game. Yeah, he's he's becoming somewhat of of like an Iron Man to me too. Just in terms of just, I saw he was starting in the lineup, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, honestly, I was a little surprised. Um, but yeah, no, I, I again for me, like as a player, um, the, I think the thing that just excites me the most is is seeing people that are just like they're just nonstop. Like they're they're, and that's again, that's kind of why I said like you know. So I was like, I, I love the way he's bringing the energy and all that stuff. And it's the same with Ben. Like Ben, it didn't seem like he played a match two, two days ago. It seemed like he was, he was just ready. And, and 
Um, the kind of, like you said, the attacking aspect that he brings down, down the, down the side is just, I'm like, wow, this is, this is perfect. Like, this is honestly, when I saw Alon, someone said Alonzo would have made that when I saw Alonzo, like earlier, I was like, okay, like maybe, maybe this, that's, this is who I thought Alonzo was going to be, to be honest. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I, I think for me right now, Ben and I, I love Drew, but I think Ben, like you said, he's he's one of my favorites, um, just because the style, the way he plays, the style of play, and then just the the person that he is, like the the mm-hmm. kind of the fun that it looks like he's having, like in the locker room with the boys, like that's 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 someone I would love to hang out with and love to play hard for. The the thing about Chilwell to me today is that he, he showed a lot of guts. I mean, like this is not a guy playing at a hundred percent. To play two matches in 48 hours takes a lot of guts. Um, and, you know, to think about how close he came at the end is, you know, a half an inch. I, like, it couldn't have been more than that. If he, my, my guess is that if he hits the post solidly with that shot, it goes in. Um, just at the angle that he's hitting it and the spin that he put on it, it's likely going in. So he didn't miss it by much. And, and the thing is, after the match, when he's looking at Emmy Martinez and going, I'm, I'm this close, man, I'm this close. And Martinez was like shaking him off. No, he was that close. I mean, the replay showed how close he was. Um, the final note I'll make about Chilwell is that we have not got to see him and Christian Pulisic play together very often on the left this year. Uh, one might surmise that that is going to be a lethal combination when they really get in sync, uh, that the runs that Pulisic started to make towards the end of the match in particular were more indicative of how they would start to play together, that Chilwell would start to recognize those things a little earlier and not wait till he's already kind of advanced to give him the ball. And that, you know, if you get Pulisic a really good pass with area to move into. Like you feel really good about that as a Chelsea fan. So my hope is that those, those little interconnected pieces, Dan start to work together a little bit better moving forward because look, they just frankly, I think they played three or four total matches together at Chelsea and it's, mm-hmm. you know, December 28th now. So you would hope they get together a little bit more moving into 2021. Well, who knows? Our extended winter break coming up here due to, uh, you know, unfortunate situations might give our team a little bit of an opportunity to gel on the training pitch and prepare for the next match. But before that, before we talk too far into the future, we do need to finish wrapping up this match. We'll be right back after a quick ad break here to talk about what did or didn't work, talking about the response from the players and answering a few of your questions. So stay tuned. 2020 has changed what working looks like in a pretty remarkable way. And you know what? The year's almost over. Or it might already be by the time you're listening to this. Businesses across the world are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire right now is super critical and Indeed is here to help. There are no more job sites in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find the quality of candidate you need quickly so you can focus on hiring the right person you need to keep your business going. We've seen it this year. You need a good football hire? You probably don't go to Indeed. This is probably not how it works. But for other industries, it might actually be the perfect thing. And right now, they've got a new way of matching you with candidates that instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates who 
whose resumes on Indeed match your specific job criteria, and you can contact them the moment you sponsor your job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a $75 credit. Free, that's free at indeed.com slash blue wire. Best offer available everywhere. So go right now to indeed.com forward slash blue wire. The offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, listen up, fellas. 2020 sucked. It's almost the new year, which means new balls with our sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped is the best when it comes to men's blow the waist grooming, offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels and helping. 2 million men all over the world get rid of hair on their balls. Dan, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, I agree. 2020 sucked. And 2021 is right around the quarter. So, you know, if you want to get that New Year freshness going on, you know, they've got the perfect package, you know, which is a collection of items like the lawnmower 3.0. You've got the, the weed whacker to take care of those annoying nose hairs and ears hair. And, you know, I mean, look, they also got other products that you could use, too. They've got a ball toner right? The crop reliever. They've got a ton of different things. And as we're recording this, uh, we're getting laughed at. And you know, ultimately, that's okay. Because you know what, you have to find joy in this moment. And one of the things that can bring you joy, Brandon, can be a brand new package from Manscaped. Uh, It's true. Look, if you're gonna, you know, take care of yourself and, and do some cleaning up, you might as well do it with the right equipment. Uh, the lawnmower 3.0, it's waterproof skinscape trimmer, reduces the nicks to your two best friends, right? Uh, it comes with a shed travel bag. Keep all your goodies stored together. Um, well, and, and, and Brandon, the, and Brandon, don't forget, you know the ball is going to drop at midnight. Make sure the ball well, looks good with the lawnmower 3.0 and Manscaped. Use our code London is Blue for 20% off and free shipping on your first order. That is London is Blue. The code. 20% off plus free shipping. So when the balls drop, everything looks pretty. All right. Well, there you go. 20% off and free shipping with the code London is blue at manscaped.com. Again, 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use code London is blue. Happy New Year to you and your balls. All right. What worked? What didn't? It was a draw, not a win, but it wasn't a loss. Frank asked for a response from the players particularly after an unfortunate loss to the then 15th place arsenal who knows how high up the table they will climb before we next kick a ball but the real question here is did did he get the result he was looking for and maybe from your perspective cj you know did do you think that the players gave frank what he was looking for he said so that he got it after the match but do you agree or disagree that's tough uh i think um I think one for, for him to kind of call out the team, um, I, I think you expect as a coach to then win. Um, I think, I think, uh, you know, regardless of the turnaround, I think that's what he was trying to do. I don't know if like players, not all players respond that well to, 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 you know, a coach saying that. Um, so no, I don't think, I don't think that's, you know, even, even with Villa playing as well as they are, even with, you know, them having, what, two games in hand over us right now and, mm-hmm. and being above us in the table, I don't think that that's a, that's a match we should have lost. Um, you know, even, even with um, just watching the, the play in general, I'm like, yeah, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be losing this match, or we shouldn't be tying, drawing this match. We shouldn't be, you know, I think 
a draw today was kind of a loss for us. Yeah, that uh, that feels about right. The one thing before Nick, you chime in. I mean, CJ, you've been in uh, really like strong locker rooms. Like things are going great. Things that maybe aren't going so great. Like I, just from a player's perspective, like when that type of commentary comes out, like what do you think? Maybe just would be like the attitude. How do you think players? You know, you mentioned some players don't respond to that. Like, what's how? How does a team rally in that type of scenario? Well, yeah, I think. And again, I, I think this is tough, too, because of all the regulations that are going on with with COVID and how many people are in the locker room together and things like that. Because I know when something like that happens, it's best for all the players just to start talking about it to themselves first. Right. Before you say anything else, it's like, OK, like when some when shoot, when my coach calls me out in practice, the first person I talk to or a few of my teammates first before I say anything else or do anything else, because I'm like, all right, like I just want to like, is what he's saying valid, you know, just like a nice talk amongst yourselves. Um, and I think. Two, you just see it with different people, right? Like Mm -hmm. some of my teammates, if my coach calls them out, they're going to just, they're going to go into a shell and they're going to hide and it's not going to be good until they get praise. Like positive impact is, or, you know, positive affirmation is is sometimes gets someone going more so than that. So, um, yeah, I think that's tough. I think, you know, defending first and then just kind of, you know, kind of the side after match, you know, at, at practice, at the training grounds, whatever, like saying something then is a little, I think goes over a little better um, than, than <laughs> saying something after the match or saying something to the press about how this person or the team or, you know, need, need to do better. Um, so I was a little, a little on, on the fence about how, how Frank kind of went about that. I was Nick, a big fan, I don't think. How, how did you feel about it? And do you feel like we got, Frank got the response he was looking for? I mean, it's it's tough because, like, in a normal scenario, Chelsea would have had three or four days between matches. Maybe you'd get some frustration out on the training pitch, and you have a you know a players only meeting. CJ maybe is uh, is maybe where you're going with that. Um, you know, when you only have forty eight hours, literally forty eight hours between the end of a match Saturday and the beginning of a match Monday, there's like not a whole lot of time to sort out some of your shit and like, you know, so like in, in, in one way, yes, I think the performance was certainly better. Was it great? No. I mean, it was, it was kind of turgid at times if I'm honest, but like on the other hand, it did seem like there was more energy in key areas and maybe some of the subs came in and did a job. You know, I think, I think the real test would have been between today and city you know, potentially at the weekend. Now that match should not be played if city players are infected with COVID and they're only able to field the starting 11 plus two subs, like the premier league has to step in and postpone that match. I mean, if, and I, I don't say this because I want city to have any sort of advantage, but if we were on the other side of that coin, we'd be pissed off if we were made to play with only Jorginho and as you know, uh, Keppa as subs, right? We'd be furious. Um, so, I mean, the likelihood is that we should not play City on, on Sunday. Uh, and if that's the case, and we do end up going a couple of weeks without a match, there's a lot of time there, Dan, to figure out who this team is, what the personality is, get back to basics, get you know your Z-Eshes healthy, figure out loans for people so that your squad is smaller. All the All the things that that we know have to have to kind of happen here, but 
Um, it was a slightly better performance against a far better opponent. I mean, Villa are just way better than Arsenal. That was a harder match uh, than than Chelsea should have had at the weekend. I mean, flat out Villa, besides their inadvertent flopping all over the field, which was maddening to watch, um, especially for a team that boasts like they're these tough guys. Uh, it it was it was a really challenging match. I mean, Ollie Watkins for for a guy who hasn't scored in the same amount of time that Timo Werner hasn't scored is playing a hell of a lot better than Timo Werner is off the ball. Ollie Watkins gave us hell all day. Like mm-hmm. it was it was an impressive off the ball performance. Jack Grealish obviously had a good day. You know, you start to go down the list. Villa has players working their asses off off the ball. Yeah. Now, that will come back to bite them at some point in the season, but right now they're loving it. So well, I think, uh, you know, in particular, I thought McGinn in the midfield was Man a, match ex- today. Yeah, exceptional player for the Villa side. And I mean, credit to them, right? They they had a game plan. They wanted to frustrate. They wanted to disrupt. They wanted. Look, I, I mean, here's the other thing, too, right? If they're going to play the game of drop into the ground, someone needs to say something. You know, the, the players either need to give it a little harder and, or you know, the captain needs to go to the match official and be like, look, this isn't right. Like, what's going on? Frank needs to go to the fourth official and be in his ear. And that really didn't seem to happen. And like, we didn't, we, we got punched in the mouth. We didn't punch back. And that's, that's kind of one of those infuriating themes of the season, Nick, is we, you know, we, we seem to be a little meek still, even after like adding some steel to our team. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm wearing Aspie's shirt right now because I love him. Uh, he's one of my favorite ever Chelsea players. He works incredibly hard. He had another good match today, by the way. I thought he played Grealish relatively well. I thought he locked down the right side. Um, I, I've i always wanted him to be stronger in these types of moments, these like shenanigans moments, these absolute horseshit moments. Like I've wanted him to be more aggressive um, and I, and I hope that he will be, but it, it just doesn't really seem like it's his MO, uh, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So if it's not his MO CJ, then it goes to Frank. And like, we all saw Klopp get carded on Sunday for, you know, for what he thought was terrible refereeing or whatever. He gave it to the fourth official. The official came over and gave him a card, but his players knew that he was in it. Like he, there was, could be no mistake that he, he was upset about something. And I, I didn't see Frank get nearly upset today and that's not the only way to do it right you don't have to get a yellow card to make your presence known but i want to get your perspective on that just knowing that you've had coaches of both persuasions probably in your career those who who want to give it to the officials uh pretty hard and those who are are more content to let the players kind of work it out themselves like as a player which one do you prefer and then in this match which way did you think that should have gone so i think um you know like you said, I mean, certain players that they just have their style and they don't, they're not vocal about certain things. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I was hoping that Aspie would say something or do something or kind of go up and, you know, you know, make the argument, Hey, this is, this is how they're going to be the entire day. Like, what's up? Come on. Um, but it's, again, you were kind of saying like, that's not how you have to do things. You don't have to get a yellow card as, 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 you know, the coach, but for me, it's even, you know, you think of Klopp and you think he's animated. He's very emotional and all this, all these things. When you think of Frank, you're like, okay, nice. Like he's, he's, his arms are crossed pretty much the entire time. If they're not crossed, they're in his pockets. You know, like he'll smile like occasionally. 
Um, if I'm a player and my coach starts like getting in the, the official's face and like getting upset, for me, that lights even more of a fire. I'm like, well, he doesn't do anything. Like he doesn't show any emotion. And now he's, you know, he's, he's kind of going all out. And, and if you, you play harder, obviously, for someone who's like that, who's like, okay, nice. Like when I look over on, on the touchline, I don't see, you know, just a blank stare. I see someone who's, who's really passionate about, all right, now, like, you know, there he's, he's for us, you know, like he's, he's, he's in this with us. Um, that being said, I will say that as a player, we always make sure that like someone is that person who will go up to some, go up to the ref and make sure that like, we don't stand for any bullshit during the game. Like that's just how it's supposed to be You're, as a player. You don't really want to rely on the coach to have to say something. Now, when we see the coach do that, we're like, all right, nice. We're fired up. Like we got you. Um, but it shouldn't have to get to me. It shouldn't have to get you know mm-hmm. that far. So a couple of the things that I wanted to get into from this match in particular, you know, what did or didn't work. You know, we we did run through the lineup. There were some interesting elements in there. You know, Jorginho starting the the pairing of Christensen and and Rudiger, and you know, I, I mean, just the the question Jake from uh, Discord asked was just uh, would the team that finished the match have been more likely to win the match from the start? Um, yeah. Uh, yes, I don't. I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, the, the only the only caveat I have there is like Werner over Giroud. You know, I think if if Frank would have subbed Tammy in over Giroud, then I think you have a really strong case because you know that's that's more of a team that you probably expect to win, uh, just given on current form because Werner has been struggling so much. But yeah, I mean, Engolo Conte looked much better as a six than he did as an eight, and. You know, wasn't Mason's best day, but he looked like he was, you know, kind of warming up towards the end of the match. And, you know, you started to see some of these things happen. Like, I, I think you could make the case. Um, maybe Havertz, you know, having more of a role in this one would have been good, just given the fact that Villa were so sat back in their formation. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I could see it. it. I don't think it replaces Christensen and Rudiger as a center back pairing. I, I don't like that center back pairing. I think it's mm-hmm. a. It's a tough situation. So, yes, question mark. I, I still don't <laughs> think the performance was that great, though. Well, that's one too. I think the the center back pairing one is interesting. And you know, we've we've talked to Matt Law, and, and it seems like every indication that Fakayo Tomori is heading on loan. So the big question was, well, why didn't you know why didn't Fick start? And you know, the the issue is you don't want to get him injured before he heads out, most likely in the first week of January here. But you know, to me. I mean, look, uh, something is rotten in Denmark, and it certainly is Andreas Christensen because that was one of the most disappointing moments in the entire match. And look, there's a lot of things to be aggrieved about in the build up to their goal, the the handball to start it, the lack of a call on Christensen. But here's all I needed to see, CJ. It was on Instagram afterwards, and it was JT's response to like, Christensen falling down and he just was like he should have gotten up like Captain Leo Ledger said uh, Lennon says that you need to get up after that he should have been up running back to the goal because that was that was the mistake that they needed to take advantage of and that pairing continues to show why we're so lucky to have Silva and Zuma together but boy when they're not on the pitch it is frightening yeah I think and and that's another thing that's like okay so I'm, I'm watching the match I'm listening to the announcers and they say 
oh yeah, Grealish with the foul, that's not the first you're going to see. So you're like, okay, obviously everyone knows that this is going to happen for him. They're going to get fouls. And as the game progresses and you see that we're not getting any of those calls, get up. You can't, you can't expect anything less than us not to get the call and for you to have to get up and sprint back. And that's, that's pretty much it. Like that's, so I saw that and I was just like, no, this isn't going to be good. Like this isn't, this I mean, is something bad's going to happen right now because of this. Even if you're, look, you could make a, a strong case that even if Christensen gets up, he's not making it back in time to prevent the goal, right? Fair enough. But the, if the effort's there, no one can look at you and go, oh, man, it's on you. Like, you were clearly fouled. There was a handball before that. The fact that VAR just picks and chooses when it's going to go back in time to look at shit is absurd to me. Like, I think it's just, it makes a bigger case to get rid of the tool than it does to keep it. Like, the play, the whole move started out with a handball. And a pretty blatant one at that. Like, it's it's a bad look for the, for the tool. But Christensen not getting up and hobbling his way back to goal, even if he's really hurt says basically all you need to know. Like, look, man, that wasn't a head injury. No one's going to blow the play dead, especially when Villa has the ball. You have to get up and hobble your way there, and maybe you still don't prevent it, but it, you don't look like you look here. And, and you know, for a guy who has not had a whole lot of time this season, Dan, who has been on the outs for some time at Chelsea, it's it's just not what you want to see in a like again if we're going to say that Callum needs to take every opportunity he can to get back into the team same goes for every fringe player at Chelsea every single one of them has to get up and give maximum effort well and you think about the fact that you know he's getting his Chelsea career is a little compressed at the moment right now because you have a resurgent uh you know Kurt Zuma right now you have a Thiago Silva who most likely will get extended for another year you have you know, the fact that if Fakao goes alone, potentially impresses, might come back and be in contention for next season. Uh, Mark Gurhi over in Swansea right now having a really impressive loan. So he's, he's getting compressed out is what's going to happen here. He's going to be one of the ones, much like Rudiger at some point here, potentially loses out, particularly if this is an area where Frank or the board look at wanting to inject another high-dollar signing. You know, whoever is going to be maybe the elite European center back that comes into the side who is the ultimate takeover from Thiago Silva individual. So, you know, it's, you can't have these type of performances. And uh, this is one that, you know, my mind would drop him down the list, but you know, it seems like he's already kind of third, fourth choice anyway, and this does not help move him up. I, and a couple other things. So just maybe what didn't work, you know, Getting in on target, you know, a couple of things we haven't seen in the past few matches is actually shots on target. So we had five total in this match, only three shots on target in the second half when we were really chasing the game. And when we were getting some shots on target, it wasn't going to the person you hope would get the ball. And Golo Conte having to shoot more than once. Uh, look, a triple nutmeg is wonderful. It's also like a unicorn. It doesn't come along around all the time. So... I guess what were you seeing, you know, CJ from like the getting in shots on target, what was or wasn't working and maybe what you'd like to see. I mean, you mentioned earlier, like there are things you want to see change a little bit or tweaked. What would you like to see different in how Frank's setting up? Well, I mean, I know everyone, we, we talk of it. We've, I've listened to you guys for the past, (laughs) however many months now. Right. And so 
every every time I listen to you all, it's like, okay, well, Werner needs to he needs to be more of a central threat. Like he can't. We why are we putting him on the wing if he's not comfortable there? And he's not performing there, and we're not doing well as a team there with with him there. Then then you know I think having him in a Giroud or him and Tammy, they can play off of each other in a better way. I think that if you have maybe Giroud as like a, you know, as a, a holding, you know, holding the back line, getting those balls, being able to trap it, letting him run in, you know, left, right, whatever, letting him have more creativity in the middle of the field. I think that just opens up everything else. I think if you have to, if you have Giroud who's holding the ball and Timo's running, making runs, Pulisic is making runs, um, Calum's making runs, then everything else just kind of opens up and you can open up a defense that way. And for me, every it's just like people are kind of confused as to where to go. And then Conte ends up having the, the ball, admittedly in a, in a decent spot, but it's still kind of like, eh, don't really, don't take that. That's not, <laughs> that's not you, right? Like that's not, like you said, I don't want him shoot, taking that shot if my life's on the line for Chelsea. Like, no, I, I, I'd prefer not. So, yeah, it's, I mean, we could get into like formations and all of this stuff. Like I would change a, a few things kind of with where people are playing, but I don't know. It just kind of seems like we're still trying to figure out like how to play with one another and where people are going to be and how to, how to make these runs with certain people on the pitch. And it's like, you know, we're getting, we're getting deep into, into the season, deep enough to where we should know, like everyone should know where to be in certain spots. So I think that's kind of just the most frustrating part of, of, of our attack right now is, is we're like, okay, well, Maybe I'm going to be here. Maybe I'm going to be there. We're making passes that are just completely off. Um, and it's, I know it has to be frustrating them as well. Yeah. I mean, Dan, you look at, I watched the whole Liverpool game against West Brom and they struggled against West Brom because Big Sam's doing Big Sam things. Um, and I, I think you just see a different level of creativity in the final third than you do at Chelsea. I mean, like Chelsea players are making pretty standard runs they're getting into kind of the same areas they're not taking chances on different types of runs and like I, I think it's just it's kind of predictable at this point like if you're you know an opposition defense you kind of know how to set up against us now and that's you know when you're playing on the counter when you have acres of room and Timo Werner's running into you know 50 yards of, of space. Like it's very easy to get excited about this team, but in the final third against a block nine or a block 10 defense, we have not looked tremendous this year. Well, it, it, I think that's what bothered me with the substitutes, you know, in this match, you know, I think seeing Timo come on when we were crossing balls into the box and look, Martinez was doing a great job claiming and Martinez was showing, making a lot of clubs look foolish for not going after him when he was available on such a, a cheap amount this, uh, this past window and absolutely is a top keeper in this league at the moment. I, I mean, you bring in Timo who is, is absolutely not the right person to be chasing headed balls into the box, right? That's, you know, you want to potentially have Tammy and his height. Like I know that Tammy's not, you know, the, the, the best always, but he also has interchanged extremely well with the Callum at the youth level, he has played very well, uh, you know, in, again, for Villa and uh, now against Villa would hopefully be the case. Uh, and then you 
you brought in Havertz, who I think, you know, we definitely looked at maybe taking the attack to him. I'm surprised we didn't look at maybe someone like Billy, bring him in, someone who's a little bit more creative, which was just and on, you know, a place where he'd be able to kind of offer some some passes, you know, knows the Premier League, you know, requirements a little bit more and potentially would be in a better form to offer. All those things, just some of the question marks around, like, where where is the in-game management? Why are we kind of saying, hey, you know what? Timo's in there. We're still going to try crossing the ball. I get I get it's a block nine. I get it's super difficult, and there's not a lot of avenues. But then you need you need to play the ball ahead of Timo. You can't play the ball behind him or and hope that he's going to make the connection at this point. And he's also off form. You know, Pulisic had the ball a couple times, you know, didn't didn't get, like, one right in front of the goal. And you're like, man, I just don't understand how this doesn't, like, bounce off his body and into the goal because it's right there. And, like, some of it's luck, but also part of it's just, you know, it has to be, you know, at some point, CJ, it has to be kind of a consistent run of positive things happening too. And right now it just seems like almost like the team and Frank and everyone are just, like, in a bit of quicksand and they don't necessarily know how to get out at the moment. They're They're trying – they see that they should get out, but they're like they're struggling to grasp on what it is that's going to get them out. Yeah, and so I want to like I really want to talk to you know some some like soccer players like like a Timo or any just anybody because for me when when something when I see something like that happening, it's kind of like um, like even like playing a position, right? So it's like all right, I'm going to go out there. I, I dang, I dropped a pass. I'm like, okay, well, like next time I have to make sure I run around a certain way or do something a certain way. So when I see it's like it becomes a confidence thing. You start thinking about certain things and you start thinking about how to run or like where to run and things like that. So when I see like Timo on the pitch and I see, you know, maybe him hit the post or, you know, he's hitting the side netting and things like that. I'm like, okay, he this is clearly such a confidence thing because he knows like he's been missing and he wants it to be perfectly placed so the keeper doesn't get it as opposed to getting a shot on net and he's like, all right, I'm going to place this right here and it's going to go in, or I have to make sure it's this or, and then he gets in his own head. And there are certain times where it's like, okay, well now I just lost the ball and now it's out and things like that. So seeing, seeing all of that compile on top of him as a player, as, as a teammate, you're looking at him and you're like, okay, well maybe I have to make this pass perfectly here now because of it, just so that he gets this nice touch in and it, it weighs heavily on everyone else's mental. So um, yeah, I think, I think that's kind of the biggest thing is, is, you know, the, the way in which we're playing him needs to change so that he has that confidence so that he knows he's not, he doesn't have to be so robotic down, you know, doing certain things and making certain runs. And, and I think, you know, like you said, the creativity is not there for us right now. And I think changing the formation, changing where we put certain people, changing their kind of their role will, will allow certain people to really just get comfortable and, and, you know, produce the way that we know they can't so you know we're, we're kind of coming up to the end of this this conversation we'll do our table review and kind of standard outro pieces but just thinking about this chelsea's last five games all competitions one win one draw three losses five before that were three wins two draws and zero losses so we've had a little bit of a drop off it is possible that this is the last match review podcast we do until mid-january which would be really wild considering how many we've done uh, in 2020. Um, what is the one thing you would want to see changed on the pitch, right? So like we, we can't influence what's going to happen behind closed doors. We can't 
bring players back to physical health. Obviously, Ziyech was close to being ready, um, most likely for City. So, like, he should be healthy by that point in time. You would imagine everybody would be healthy in the squad and fully available. Nick, what's the one thing you would want to see changed on how we're playing? If you could kind of give the, pass the note along to Frank. If we could figure out a way to slide into those DMs and give him a little, <laughs> hey, here's what we need. Here's what we need to do. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's really interesting, right? Um, I mean, you can't change the personnel. Um, I think you have to figure out, and, and this is mostly directed at, at Frank because it's his team to pick. Um, I think you have to figure out how to get your playmakers in positions to make plays. You know, uh, if CJ is not running towards the end zone, he's maybe not as valuable to me as a quarterback. And, you know, if he's blocking or something like that. So, like, Figuring out how to get Kai Havertz going, getting Timo Werner going, getting Christian Pulisic going, Ziyech coming back, Callum playing well, maybe a sacrifice for midfield a little bit. Maybe, you know, you, you figure out a way to start just scoring goals in a volume manner, CJ, so that you can really, you know, kind of feel confident going into each game that, that you're you're going to force the opposition to come out of their shell, um, give yourself a better chance. And I think that's probably something that I would, I would send along as a note. Um, I don't know. What about you? Yeah, that's that, I mean, I actually hadn't thought about sacrificing the midfield. until you just said something, um, run a four, one, five, have Conte <laughs> back there as the one and just let him run all over the place and, and have everyone else up. Um, no, I, I, uh, I agree. I think that's that's a good one. I think too, um, what I what I want to see is kind of what I alluded to with with Aspie and kind of how I wanted. I, I want to see a vocal leader, um, someone who, you no, know, we score just just erupts like goes crazy when when we let up a goal. They get in someone's face. They tell off the ref. They do something to where I know. Okay, nice. Like this is this is someone that I I can look to. Someone who. I mean, even if they mess up, and I think that's the biggest thing too. It's like some people don't like taking the leadership role because if it's my mistake, say it's Christensen and he wanted to assume the leadership role and he makes a mistake. Well, if that's the case and he assumes that, then he's going to get up. Like that, that elevates someone's play because they're like, okay, well, I can't put this on film. I can't show this to my team because I stepped into this leadership role. So I think that's the one thing that I want to see coming up is someone who feels that, who kind of like has this presence who they play, they show with their game, but they also are vocal and they say something and they're positive no matter what's going on. I think that's the biggest thing. And that, that helps with motivation that helps with, you know, getting through the match that helps with just everything. It's just a positive vibe that I really want to see happen. Yeah. I, I think the positive vibe is definitely something I would love to see too. I'd like to, I honestly like to see Frank go back to being a bit more ruthless. You know, I, I think, not publicly. I, I do think in the press, I think he needs to find a way to be a good unifier again around uh, the team and, and embody that positive message. But when you have, you know, Jorginho popping it right into the path of a defender, you know, just, I, I question why we don't see Billy Gilmore in the match. You know, and we, you know, Tammy has been one of your kind of consistent winners, uh, match winners. You know, it was a match winner versus uh, West Ham, right? Gets gets two within uh, two minutes. He he does a great job. And, and so trying to figure out 
where you can say like, look, your, your performance, your standard isn't acceptable and you're not going to get to be on the bench. I'm going to bring someone up for like, and I know that like the COVID bubble situation makes this a little bit more difficult, but I would throw an academy youngster on the bench before some of these players just to say like, look, you know, you, we have a standard here. Our standard is to win. And even though it's Aston Villa, who are again, a much, much better side than the past couple that we played, they're, they're better than Wolves. They're better than West Ham. They're better. They're far, far better than Arsenal. It still was a match we had to win. So I, I think we saw some of that ruthlessness from Frank last season when he didn't have 200 plus million pounds of signings that he had to bounce between and had a commitment to. I, I just think that that's missing a little bit. And I, I'd like to see him maybe find, find that in a way again to show that he's experimenting appropriately. I think there's things that work, right? We know the Thiago Silva, Kurt Zuma, Reese James, Ben Chilwell, Mendy lineup works. You're just trying to figure out what's going on with the other players in the pitch. That's the only other part of the problem you got to figure out. The defense, for the most part, is pretty settled. You know you want to play in Golo Conte too. So you're not really, there's not a whole lot of players you need to figure out. It's then just down to what instructions is he going to give them. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you can make a really strong case for a, a 1B being just structure. Like, how do you structure the team? Uh, you know, there isn't a really clear-cut way forward with all this offensive talent that you have. You know, there isn't a a really easily identified playing style. You know, just having the ball is not a playing style. You know, that we we did that under Star, under Sari, and you could argue that Sari had a, a much more rigid and identifiable style than what Frank has shown to this point, even though I think the results were... Uh, boring um for sure so it it just beckons the 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 question to me of like what who are you who is chelsea football club right now under frank lampard are are they a swashbuckling throw everything in the kitchen sink forward because four or five goals is impossible to beat in the premier league or are they a balanced ruthless take the four or five opportunities that they get a game and do the most with those that they can because that's what Frank kind of grew into as a player, you know? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And it's up to him to frankly answer that question. That's what he gets paid money to do. So I would I would make that a small addendum to be, you know, my like one B uh, in addition to get the playmakers going. It's like, what is the structure? What is the style? Two three word match reviews, two Little comments about what he would change. Can't follow any of the rules. Nick Verlaney, ladies and gentlemen, he is your Jack Grealish of the episode. I, I, I've stayed upright this entire time. <laughs> I have not. I've been fouled on multiple occasions. I've stayed upright. There is nothing you can do to take me down. All right. Well, before we get out of here, uh, look, it, it was a, a contentious draw. The, the Dan, the match is suspended until we win next. It's on the club to bring it back. So it's on. It's on Frank here. Frank and team. You can restore the day of the match with a win. So get on that. Table review as it looks right now. Liverpool are in the driver's seat, unfortunately. Uh, 32 points. Leicester City with a, a bit of a draw here. Uh, two draws now in a row, which kind of helped us out. Kind of trying to hopefully catch pace. Uh, 29 points. Everton, that one draw. But then a string of wins going up against West Ham next. 29 points. Manchester United with games in hand on 27 points. Finding a way. Aston Villa up to fifth on 26 points. Uh, they are ahead in goal difference by one now. 
to us, sixth place Chelsea. Uh, Spurs are behind us. They play tomorrow. Uh, they are only behind on goal difference, 26 points. City on 26 points. Southampton on 25 points. Uh, this table is going to change a lot from now and the next match review. So uh, just, you know, remember that. We will now have potentially a game in hand as well on the hopefully better part of the season for us. So just try to find the positive context there, Nick. Think about this by, you know, if, if our next match review is not until the 16th or whatever of January, Chelsea Football Club could be 12th or 13th in the table because of other teams getting to play the matches that are on their on their calendar. Right? Very easily, honestly. Right. So you could wake up to Chelsea Football Club on the 16th of January with a couple of matches in hand and, you know, some other shenanigans out there having a huge, huge hill to climb and it's, it's of our own making, you know, there the, are plenty of opportunities. The the lowest we could be is uh, 11th when you just do the, the math on games in hand um, because leads are 20. And so if they won two and got, or sorry, they won three, they would get 29. So they, they would be ahead, but palace is on 19. They've played 16 games. Um, so yeah, it, I was I was looking for the 16s. Yeah, okay. yeah, it, so, it's okay. I mean, still, you know, uh, but again, I think just with how tight the league is this season, one good bounce back, one good run of form, like let this be our terrible loss to Arsenal type of moment over two matches uh, in the Conte season, where it brings us back renewed, ready, and revitalized to go tackle a uh, tackle a challenge here, but to ultimately. That was the match. Yeah, it wasn't as rosy as some of the results that we've gotten to talk about this season. Hopefully there are better ones ahead in 2021. Uh, look, yeah, 2020 sucked for a lot of things. It also sucked for this match. So it's just, it is on theme. It is on theme with the year. So we wave goodbye to 2020 Chelsea results and uh, say hello to 2021 ones. But CJ, any last words from you? We appreciate you coming back on. No, yeah, I, I appreciate you all having me again. Um, again, anytime. I'd, I'd love to come on and, and talk about Chelsea. It's my favorite thing. I talk, talk to everybody in the locker room about it, the people that I can see. Um, and hopefully the next time I'm on here um, – I can go back to the locker room with pride, you know, and, and don't have to kind of duck my head when I see the Man U fans just kind of just taunting me. Um, yeah, no, I, again, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, thank you. Well, make sure the next one that you're coming on for is a dub. We'll, we'll, right. guarantee, we'll guarantee that. Uh, Nick, any last things from you before we bounce? Um, yeah, I, th- I think the the New Year's resolutions for the for the club should be kind of well, like write them down. You know, if you're Frank Lampard and co, write them down. Make sure that you stick to them, um, because it, it's a it's going to be an interesting kind of moving and shaking time. You know, January, February, March is typically a big kind of moving day type of thing. If you're if you're a fan of golf and you realize kind of the Friday Saturday thing, it, Chelsea really do have to string together some some form in the next two months. So. Uh, it will be interesting to see what happens. But, you know, to all those who I think, are, you know, are doubting Frank and the, the club right now and are wanting Thomas Tuchel to come in, for example, and there are plenty of these idiots on Twitter right now, um, be careful what you wish for. Uh, he, by by all accounts, he's not the uh, the savior that, that you're looking for. So just... Be aware. Is all Trust the process. Trust <laughs> the process.
Well, that is a good way to end it. Uh, we do have more pods coming at you this week, but this is our last one that we're recording live. So uh, happy new year and all that jazz. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Bye.